Welcome to She Persisted. I'm your host, Sadie Sutton. Every Friday, I post interviews about mental health, dialectical behavioral therapy, and teenage life. These episodes break down my mental health journey, teach skills to help you cope with life, and showcase testimonials from individuals, including teens just like you. Whether you've struggled yourself or just want to improve your mental fitness, this podcast is your inspiration to live a life you love and keep persisting. This week on She Persisted. Being able to trust the mystery in the other side, to know that it's going to change and we don't know what it may look like, but if you allow yourself to be in the discomfort, whether it's the thoughts in the mind, the emotions, the physical piece in the body, it will shift. This week's DBT skill is paired muscle relaxation. If you've listened to the podcast for a long time, then you know that this scale is part of the tip scale, but it also can be used on its own. So what you're going to do is you're going to sit in a comfortable position. You can also do this lying down before bed. It's super helpful to fall asleep. And you're going to make sure that all your body parts are uncrossed and no body parts are supporting any other. So sitting with your legs spread apart and your arms on the sides of you, laying down with all your limbs extended, both of those would work great. For each area of the body, you're going to gather tension by tightening your muscles. You're going to focus on the sensation of tightness in and around that area. You're going to hold the tension as you inhale for five to six seconds and then release and breathe out. As you release, you can say in your mind the word relax or you can just do it silently as you observe the tension releasing. You're going to observe the changes and sensations as you relax for 10 to 15 seconds and then move on to the next muscle group. You're going to start with your hands and wrists, move to your lower and upper arms, go to your shoulders, forehead, eyes, nose and upper cheeks, tongue and mouth, lips and lower face, neck, chest, back, stomach, butt, upper legs and thighs, calves and ankles. Lastly, you are going to tense your entire body and then release everything. This is an amazing mindfulness practice to do when you're really stressed out, when you're feeling anxiety, when you're feeling tension, or before you go to bed. This is one of my favorite before bed mindfulness practices and it's super helpful to get you to fall asleep more quickly. Hello, hello, and welcome back to She Persisted. I'm so happy you're here. We have an amazing episode for you today. Our guest is Beth Segaloff. She's a licensed clinical social worker, a life coach, Reiki master, registered yoga teacher, certified firewalk instructor, and a mom. This episode is jam-packed with value, whether it's about the importance of emotion education, we dive into mindfulness, we talk about what EMDR is and how it can be used to increase the presence of a positive emotion, which I've never heard about before, and we really just talk about taking a well-rounded holistic approach to healing. We also did a guided meditation practice in this episode, which is a resource I know I'm going to go back to in the future, and I hope you do as well. So like I said, this episode is just phenomenal with so much value and so many takeaways for you to implement in your life. This is one of my favorite interviews that I've done in a while, so let's dive into it. Thank you so much for joining me today, Beth. I'm so excited to have you on She Persisted. I can't wait to dive into this conversation. Me too. I'm just, I'm so happy to be here. I'm just so in awe every time just that you created this space. It's really, thank you. Incredible. You're welcome. Thank you. So I want to start by hearing your story, your journey, and about the work that you're now doing with teens and with mental health as a whole. So walk me and listeners through 
what you do about you and how you got to this point of working within like the mental health and wellness field. Okay. Well, it's sort of a really long journey, but I feel like, you know, so much of what I do now, I feel like is based off of what I wish or what I needed or what I wished I had had as a kid or a teenager. And, you know, I think that one thing just to start is that we are all born, you know, with this like divine experience, right? This pure whole wholeness and life happens, right? Life happens and things happen. And so often I feel like we don't know or we aren't taught how to manage them. Yeah. And they always, they become sort of this like a good or bad or right or wrong. And, you know, so I think that led me to always just, I was a very, and I connect with, with you in a way of, I was a very, am still a very sensitive human, right? So always yeah, felt things well. very deeply. Mm-hmm. And as a teenager, I definitely numbed out a lot of drinking and a lot of things just to avoid sort of the, the challenging feelings that I was having and really never addressed them. And, you know, I went through a lot, I think, as a teenager, I went to boarding school, which was interesting because I, I come from a super close family, very close community. And the school situation for me was just not ideal. So I ended yeah. up at boarding school, which was for some people amazing. For me, it was like probably not. Mm-hmm. I, I did learn how to study and how to become a really good student, but a lot of things I wasn't ready for. Yeah. And it led me down a really some challenging paths. And there was a part of me though, that even in, in high school, I was a peer counselor, right? So I always, always intuitively had this, I want to help other people, or I want to be able to support other people. And looking back, it's, it's even just realizing that like, it's me who needed that support too. But I was always wanting to do for others. I always saw sort of other people's pain and their stress and I wanted to be there for them and Mm -hmm. so I started out even that sort of that young as a peer counselor in college I was did also something similar a peer sort of lifelines group which was looking back again really interesting because there I was like drinking a whole lot but I had a lot of issues with food and eating and there I was sort of educating people, other people, totally. other students mm-hmm. about the issues that I had not healed or even recognized in myself yeah. yet. And I decided to go to social work school after college, really because I always wanted to work in schools. Mm-hmm. I knew that I wanted to be a social worker, wasn't sure if I wanted to be an edu- a teacher or a, or a social worker in school, a social worker in schools. And so I became a school social worker and I had been in a whole different range of programs and I loved that role because I would see kids really in every environment in the way of like, whether it was in the classroom or at a lunch table or at recess on the playground and really get a sense of the whole child, right? Mm -hmm. And I loved that, working with the teachers and the families. And in my personal life over time, I started to really go through some bigger, bigger challenges. I was married at the time. I got divorced. I got divorced when my son was about two. And again, it was sort of these things that I was starting to uncover myself and the healing that was happening and different relationships that I was in really became a mirror of what I needed to look at internally. Mm-hmm. And after my divorce, I was fortunate enough to 
and blessed to fall in love very quickly. I we got engaged very quickly. It was one of those, you know, magical, magical moments. And I remember, you know, he said to me about six weeks into our dating, I have good news and I have bad news. And the good news is we're getting married next summer. <laughs> and the bad news is that I'm deploying. Oh my and goodness. a year later, he was killed in Afghanistan. Oh, wow. And that my life really became a before and an after. But what happened during that time was I started opening up to different types of healing. So I started receiving energy healing and I found my yoga mat and my yoga mat was a really scary place in the beginning because when the teacher said, quiet your mind, right? I was like, why would I do that? Why would I quiet? My, My body was so filled with anxiety and grief and pain. My mind was not a fun place to be in, but what happened was I found myself to be able to be in a safe enough place where I did get quiet and I sobbed and I sobbed and I cried and I wept, but I finally gave myself permission to be in the quiet and to let those emotions flow through and to let them move through and to let the thoughts pass by. And energetically, emotionally, uh, mentally, physically, everything just started to shift. And so what I realized was that, okay, and I was doing EMDR as well at that time. Mm -hmm. And what I was realizing was that we can't only talk our way through our struggles. Talking is amazing. You know, mental health is incredible, but there are so many other layers and so many other parts of us that also need tending to. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to leave school social work and really dive in and learn all of the modalities that it served me so that I could give them back to others. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I've been doing for the past you know, seven, eight years where I see clients one-on-one, some teenagers, some adults, and I teach yoga classes for teens and, and for adults. I teach a specific class actually called grief yoga. And so it's and different workshops and retreats, but it's because I just keep being, being able to, the more I heal from a multi-layered approach, the more I want to give it back and realize, my God, if I only knew some of this when I was 10 or 10 or 11, because, you know, I think younger, I think elementary school, and I don't know what your experience was, but I noticed this now, you know, they do a a good job around, I don't mean good job, but there's more awareness around talking about emotions and talking about feelings. But as we get old, as kids get older, it's not there as much. Mm-mm. And when they need it so much more, and it's like, it's just, and now with, you know, kids are going to school and it's the, the fear is there, the emotion, we're not addressing all of it. And so it's, I really just want to continue to give back and give a different, give people a different perspective on our experiences, because the reality is that life is going to happen things are going to be challenging and we can continue to avoid them. And we know what happens when we avoid them. We numb out, you know, I mean, it's, you know, well, you know, TikTok, yeah. social media, what numbing could be drinking or 
or social media or eating, mm -hmm. keeping busy. And yeah. we can focus on that or we can continue to really dive in from different layers. And what I found was in that space of either grief or trauma, when we look at things like through a very, if it's only through the mind, right? Like, and I don't think people can see me when they're listening to this, but like, you I'll know, put they, it on YouTube look, too. So if you're on YouTube, okay, cool. you, you see know, it. We, we, we look through like a little person, a little tunnel, right? Mm -hmm. Like a little lens. But when we open up the body, when we open up the energy, when we open up the breath, you know, it just, it, there's expansion. There's so much more to see. And everybody experiences some version of an adverse experience that can just yeah. narrow everything. So if we're able to use a multi-layered approach, then we can, can shift. So Absolutely. No, it's, there's so much to unpack there. I think what you just wrapped, wrapped up on, like our emotions do manifest in our body. When we look at the symptoms of depression and anxiety, when we look at the long-term symptoms of, of mental illness and just extreme stress or trauma, like we know that there is the physical component of healing that has to be there because the emotions are a physical experience. Like your mental health is not just in your head. Have you ever heard the saying, um, the issues are in your tissues? No, I haven't. Yeah, it's true. The issues are in your tissue. Think about it. It makes so much sense. It's like that, you know, think about how many times you've been worried about a test or mm -hmm. having that hard conversation with somebody. And it's like, I know for me, and, you know, I can ask you, you know, do you know where that is in your body? Nope. You'd be like, maybe like my brain, like I feel the thoughts going yeah. on. And then right. You but your body yeah. is literally like a signal. Your body sends mm -hmm. you signals all the time. For me, it's my stomach. Yeah. I get the stomach ache and I'm like, Okay. It could have been that I didn't eat something that was so great, mm -hmm. but it could also be, okay, what's showing up? My body, literally your body will tell you all the time if we learn how to listen to it. Yeah. You guys have heard me talk about them before. As we are chugging along in this spring semester, an essential in my routine is Magic Mind. Because of how busy my schedule is with the podcast and work and school, I really need to be optimizing my days to get everything checked off of my to-do list. And this is where Magic Mind comes in. What it is is an all-natural productivity drink with adaptogens to decrease stress, nootropics to boost blood flow and cognition, and matcha to keep you focused. It comes in a little bottle, picture like a little juice shot, it has the cutest packaging, and you drink it in the morning, I drink it with my normal cup of coffee. What it does is it improves procrastination, brain fog, fatigue, and helps you be more productive. I find that I get super tired and I like want to take a nap midday, especially the early afternoon. When I add Magic Mind to my morning caffeine, I don't need extra cups of coffee and I'm able to power through and keep working rather than getting into that midday slump. It is a game changer if you are busy and have lots of things to do throughout the day. So if you want to try out Magic Mind and improve your productivity, you are going to go to magicmind.co slash persisted. That is M-A-G-I-C-M-I-N-D dot co slash persisted. And when you use code persisted at checkout, you're going to get 20% off your order. So again, if you're looking to improve your productivity and add a little supplement to your coffee routine, go to magicmind.co slash persisted for 20% off. I think the other thing that I loved what you said was about quieting your mind with mindfulness. I remember mindfulness is like a key component of dialectical behavioral therapy, which was the treatment that I did, which was a game changer for me. And it's like one of the first modules that you learned. It's super ingrained to the whole modality. 
But I remember I was talking with a therapist and she was like, when you're first really struggling, when you're really suffering, when your mind is a really uncomfortable place to be, it can be kind of dangerous to do mindfulness. You're sitting with these really dark, scary thoughts. And so I loved what you said about like the whole well-rounded approach of being able to cope through and work through the emotions that arise when you're sitting with what's in your head and then being able to like quiet your mind. Like it's there's all of these different components that go into this full well-rounded understanding of healing, whether it's the physical body, whether it's the piece of mindfulness, whether it's feeling your emotions to process through them and work through them. It's just extremely complex and you can't have one without the others. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. And it's, yeah, it's just, it's, it's things that I know I was never taught. Yeah. Right. And so, and what happens is it's like, okay, my stomach hurts. So it's a quickly like, well, what do I do to fix that? Yeah. You know, maybe I'm going to, whatever the version is of how to fix that. And the reality is that like, nothing needs to be fixed. Your body's trying to tell you No one's broken. Yeah. Your body is telling you to either like, you know, quiet down, Mm -hmm. um, settle down. And the fact is that it moves, it shifts, it always does, but it's sitting with it. Most people, you know, in this, in this grief yoga class I teach, I'm always kind of like, not many people are like, yay, I can't, I can't wait to go yeah. to yoga. But what happens is there is such a, it's like the being able to trust the mystery in the other side to yeah. know that it's going to change and we don't know what it may look like. But if you allow yourself to be in the discomfort, whether it's the thoughts in the mind, the emotions, the physical piece in the body, it will shift. It will. I remember that exact experience and it was so scary to me to be working towards something that I didn't know what it would feel like. Like I was like, okay, I I know I am investing in myself. I'm going to therapy. I'm trying to get better, but I don't remember what it feels like to be happy or live my life worth living. So I was like blindly stumbling towards this goal that I didn't understand. And for years, I was just in the headspace of saying, you know what? I'm suffering. I'm miserable. I've never felt worse in my life, but at least I know what this feels like. At least it's comfortable. At least it's familiar. I'll just stay here. Because if I try to get better, it could get worse. And I cannot bear for it to get any worse than this. And it gets better. It really, really does get better. And I think you you experience that throughout the process. Like, it's hard to just trust someone that's like, oh, it gets better. Like, you really have to live through that and experience it. But it's scary. It takes a lot of courage and bravery and trust in yourself that you'll be able to handle what healing throws at you and that you'll be able to get through it. But you've survived every day up until now and you can continue to do that. I'm curious though, because you said that you had this, you you knew what suffering was, right? Mm-hmm. But you yeah. weren't sure what was on the other side of that. Mm-hmm. I think that's also interesting because from an EMDR perspective, it's if we keep saying, I'm suffering, I know what this is, I'm suffering, I'm suffering. We continue that those those beliefs they root in deeply like yeah. a tree mm-hmm. into your brain and into your body, right? And so one of the things that, I mean, EMDR and I don't know what your experience, all of your experience was, but one of the things that I believe is like the most potent medicine ever is when someone can sit with you with that and not yeah. to say, you'll be fine, try this, try that, but just 100%. say like, I'm with you. 
Yeah. Like I can this see sucks, that this is I'm really here. hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And not to fix it, but to see, like, I see your pain. And to then, you know, be with you and to be present to allow that to move through. That was the shift that took place with my parents mm-hmm. when our relationship completely changed. It was a game changer. It was when they could just see that I was suffering and create space for that and voice that they saw it and they knew that I was in pain and that they didn't necessarily get it and they couldn't help me and they weren't going to, but that they saw it and they had the appreciation that that was what I was going through and it was unbelievably powerful for our relationship to build a foundation to then work through conflicts and patterns that were adding to my mental health challenges. It's, it's an extremely powerful tool to be able to give to someone else or to, to a lot of people can't well. do that. Yeah. But a lot of people hard. can't do that because it's so hard. And when I, again, and I'll use the word awe when I listen to your podcast and your story, oh. and it is because it's so brave because when I work, you know, I have a lot of clients who are adults and a lot who are teens and my adult clients, you know, and I can put myself in this bucket. It's like people may get used to saying, I'm suffering. I'm anxious. I'm anxious. And then after some time together, my client may say, oh, like, actually, I don't think that's anxiety anymore. I think Mm -hmm. it's fear or I think it's worry or I think it's sadness Mm -hmm. because we get so used to the narrative and the dialogue that we've been telling. And so what I love about what you share and the platform that you have is that there is an ability to shift. And it's like, And to learn, and my whole sort of passion is to rebrand mental health because let it be normal. Like we're human. I don't know anybody who doesn't, they're, they're, you know, this whole health, if you are a human, Mm -hmm. you have experiences. So what you're doing is really incredible by just bringing the dialogue and bringing the narrative to teenagers. I relate exactly to what you said about like realizing that the emotions you're spitting out like aren't actually what you're feeling. I remember for years on end, whenever anyone, no matter who they were, asked me how I was, I said I was fine. I remember I'd find these like really depressing Pinterest graphics that were like fine, like deeply in pain. They turned it into an acronym that was like fearful, isolated, like terrible. Anytime anyone asked me, didn't matter who it was, if it was a therapist, parent, friend, I was fine. I remember on instinct at one point during my treatment journey, someone was like, oh, how are you? And I was like, I'm fine. And I had to like catch myself because I'm, I was like, I'm not fine. Like I'm good today. Today is a good day and I'm yeah. feeling happy. And it was the weirdest, most bizarre thing to have to catch myself and like be like, wait, this repeat that I've been on for years, this narrative is no longer true. It was a really beautiful thing, but it's you... It's also scary to be like, okay, wait, I'm going to tell someone that I'm good. And like, that's actually true. And like, yeah, that could go away. But for now, I'm in this emotion that feels pretty amazing. So it's, I I totally relate it to that. I love that. So you mentioned EMDR. I've had a couple of guests mention it here and there in the podcast, but I was wondering if you could just briefly explain what that is. So listeners who haven't heard that terminology before can understand. Sure. So EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization Reprocessing. And that's a lot, sorry. Big word. <laughs> um, yeah, but it it's okay, is, guys. You won't be tested, I promise. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. But as we, I've sort of been, ta- we've been talking for, throughout our time together, you know, we have experiences throughout our lives. And when we have those experiences, we automatically form a belief about ourselves. Yeah. And that belief sticks. Either, either it adapts or it does not adapt. And it sort of roots right in. 
right? Mm-hmm. So, and then what happens is usually if it's, if that belief or that experience, that experience doesn't really process through. And let's say we hold on to the belief of I'm not smart enough mm-hmm. or I'm not worthy or I'm not valuable. That ripples into how we relate to other people. It ripples into how we show up at school with our parents, with our friends, in activities of, you know, oh, I guess I'm not going to make the team because I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. Or I'm going to fail every test because I'm not smart enough. I'm not going to get into the right college because I'm just not good enough. Or, you know, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to have a boyfriend because I'm not lovable. Mm -hmm. So all of these beliefs really, they start to ripple into other parts of our lives. And EMDR can do multiple things, but it really helps us titrate between the past, the present, and the future. And so what we do is we use sort of like rapid eye movements mm-hmm. or just something called bilateral stimulation. Again, you don't need to know this, but it's sort of like <laughs> the tapping, tapping back mm-hmm. and forth, not, not EFT tapping, but a different kind of tapping. Mm-hmm. And so it's the movements in the brain and it's a, it's a very processed, structured process. Mm-hmm it helps to sort of reshift the energy around it, reshift the brain around it, reshift the body. So again, those, those, those experiences, they also land in your body, yeah. right? So, but what it also does is it's, we can't ever take away. So, you know, when, when Ben died, mm-hmm. right? I, for some reason, I sat in a closet for a while. I was just, I went into my closet. I don't know, you know, and so a closet, I would see a closet and that would mm-hmm. become a source of just pain and sadness. And it would just go right back to that night, yeah. right? But going through some EMDR, that experience can't go away. But what it does is it takes sort of the energy away from it. So it turns it down, turns the volume down. It shifts my response to it. So then I can see a closet and then, oh, there's a closet. Yeah, yeah, and then all you know, the it doesn't become as traumatic to see mm-hmm. a closet. Yeah, right. it's I've heard, had so many friends that have done EMDR and podcast guests as well, and it's just been huge in their journeys for healing from trauma and being able to mm-hmm. continue to understand and unpack how different situations impacted them and continue to impact them. So it's just an amazing tool and resource. And there's a lot of therapists that do offer it in addition to talk yeah. therapy and these other things. So it's a great resource to be aware of. So I do EMDR as well. Oh, okay. Um, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But what's up, what else is kind of really cool about it is that it's not always about going back. Yeah. And reprocessing. It can, of course it can be, but it's also about strengthening what already is, right? So for example, like I would have, if you and I were doing EMDR together, Mm -hmm. I would so want to know about that time where you started to feel happy, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? And it's like, let's really dive into like the sensations in your body, the emotions you're feeling, what do you visualize? And then we enhance and we strengthen that, that feeling because then that becomes happy right now in the present moment Mm -hmm. tomorrow or in an hour becomes your past experience yeah yeah I love that does that make sense yes that's so powerful so there's so much like a lot of my team clients Mm -hmm. we strengthen and strengthen and strengthen it's really cool that's amazing that's so cool so if teens are wanting to incorporate 
mindfulness or yoga or this practice of really sitting with their thoughts and emotions into their lives, what are you ha- what are some tips that you have that they can try to implement? There's so many, but I yeah. think that, but there's but there is one that is free and mm-hmm. it is with you all the time and it's your breath. Yeah. You know, and I remember, you know, kids in schools would be so irritated when I would talk about like coming back to your breath and it's kind mm-hmm. of like I'm breathing anyway, <laughs> but it's like there's a difference between I'm breathing anyway, like, you can tell yeah. you hold your breath or it can literally take 10 seconds to shift. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but it is the it's the commitment to pausing. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's the commitment to pausing. And then, so I would say breathing is literally mm-hmm. one of them mm-hmm. um, to really, because certain types of breathing techniques scientifically slow down the nervous system yeah. and the nervous system for most people right now, the volume is like way. Oh, it's up. insane. You know, yeah. I have a almost 18 year old son mm-hmm. and the other day, he's like my best, like, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I get, I get a lot of information from him mm-hmm. in the way of what's going on, but he's, you know, he was telling me he was going to take a nap mm-hmm. and he's laying on the couch next to me, but he's scrolling through TikTok <laughs> while he's about to take a nap. Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute, this what just are you doesn't doing? matter. Yeah. But it's true, but he can fall asleep while scrolling on TikTok. We're numbed out to it. It's crazy. And I'm like, that is, you're, you're not giving your brain a second. So it's like, no wonder why nobody can focus or, you know, distracted every, what is it? A TikTok video is 20 or 30. So I don't know. Yeah. Like all um, different lengths. And so it's, um, yeah. So I think pausing and coming back to your breath is one, is one tool yeah. to use. No, the speed and movement and movement. Yeah. I mean, meditation doesn't have to be, you know, sitting on a mat, mm-hmm. your body in a certain way. It doesn't have to be that meditation. Maybe it's going for a walk. Maybe it is. And, you know, going left, right, mm-hmm. left, right with your, with your feet and in your, your internal voice, mm-hmm. or it's inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale. It doesn't have to be a certain time, amount of time or a certain way. It's any way to really refocus your thoughts and allow yourself to watch them and be the observer of them rather than let them sort of own you, if that makes sense. We used to do mindful eating as a group. They'd give us like a tiny piece of chocolate and we'd be mindful of like the flavors and the textures Mm -hmm. and like the experience of chewing. And we'd take like 20 minutes to eat one piece of chocolate. But I think it's like, it's so easy. Like if you have a cup of coffee every morning, your cup of coffee, even your first sip, like committing to being mindful for that and noticing what thoughts are going through your head, bring your awareness to your breath. Like it's, it's powerful even a couple of seconds. I think another one that's super easy to implement is like before bed. I would love to be able to like, just like meditate myself to sleep, can't do it. But even doing like a couple of breaths and like just calming down physically is so powerful and improves your sleep. And so even if you can get like a walk-in, a couple of moments where you're just paying attention to your breath and really trying to quiet the mind, I think it it has 
profound impacts because we're constantly like you talked about how much input we're getting how we're constantly stressed like overwhelmed like we're avoiding like we're not processing through we're just go 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 so to be able to like bring attention to your thoughts and your emotions and your experiences it's it's very powerful Something else that is really helpful is just writing, like just sort of like a brain dump. So it's, there's no rules. There's no, it doesn't matter about like grammar or spelling or Mm -hmm. content. Just, you may write like, I don't want to write anymore. I don't want to write anymore. But sometimes setting a timer for one minute, two minute. And, you know, I just believe that there's, again, there is, it's different ways to get to the same place of coming back to your truth right? Mm -hmm. So that may be using your breath to quiet down. It may be writing. It may be talking. It may be moving. So any way that we can shift from that place of the stress or the struggle, acknowledge it, right? So to not avoid it, but like, all right, here's anxiety again. It's showing up, you know, Mm -hmm. let it move through, see where it is in your body, move that part of your body, right? Mm -hmm. So if you, you feel anxious, a lot of us feel anxious in our shoulders. Yeah. Right. We can even like just while we're sitting here right now, you want to do something together? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, great. Okay. So actually go ahead and just place your feet on the ground. Okay. And if you want to close your eyes, you can close your eyes for our listeners too. If you're driving, please. <laughs> do not later. close your eyes. <laughs> yes. Do not close your eyes. And just take one big breath in together. And a big breath out. And again, a big breath in. And exhale it out. And then again, notice your feet flat on the ground. Feel your legs. Let your palms actually be face down on your thighs. And then start to lengthen through the base of your spine all the way up to your shoulders. Roll your shoulders up and back. And then let the muscles in your face even soften. You can even separate your teeth. And then just as much as your feet are connected to the ground, imagine that there is a thread right above the top of your head, gently lifting you up towards the sky and then settle back in. Just notice how your body is feeling right now. Notice any emotions that are showing up. Check in with the thoughts in your mind. And take a moment to really even feel into any of the challenging that emotions may be present or maybe around. And maybe it's fear or anxiety, stress. And take just a moment and notice where you feel that in your body. And then take about 10 seconds and just move that part of your body. So for me, I'm rolling my shoulders forward and back. Maybe it's in your neck, you roll your 
neck in one direction or the other. Taking your belly, you can kind of do a cat cow seated. And I'm actually gonna allow for about 10 seconds of quiet while wherever you are, you move through this. Mike, you're with you. And then go ahead and pause and place your hand on wherever that part of your body was, your belly or your, your shoulder. And again, one breath in and a breath out. And notice how you feel now. And then when you're ready, you can release your hands down. How was that for you, Sadie? <laughs> I feel so calm. You feel calm? I think I do. I feel, I don't know, like less like jittery energy, much more centered. And like that, It how long did that take us? Like two minutes? And we can check off our list that we meditated today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But can you imagine doing that before a test? Yeah. Before writing a paper, mm -hmm. before going into a challenging conversation. And, you know, I think where, where I feel so um, inspired or curious or motivated is that if kids had access to this, yeah, so simple. You know, it's like there's a difference between when you enter a situation from this perspective where you're feeling more calm mm -hmm. than when you enter a situation, whether again, it's a test, a conversation, anything from a place of, you know, that the volume is up, that yeah. you know, amped yeah. up feeling. And I think just again, to acknowledge it, like that's it's everywhere. We all have that feeling mm -hmm. of worry or anxiety. And so Absolutely. why don't we, I always get so confused, like systemically how we teach math and science every single day yeah. and every once in a while, somebody's like, oh, well, let's have somebody come in and talk about mindfulness once mm -hmm. through meditation. Once. And even then, and like, I remember sitting in the classrooms and it's not like an open to experience a new thing environment. Like the kids are like, oh, we have to do deep breathing. This is terrible. Like. There's so why not, do you think that is? I don't, I think part of it is like, I don't know. I think when you come into a situation curious and wanting to learn and you're the one that's somewhat initiating it, it's a lot more effective and powerful than when your teacher is like, everyone, we're doing our mandatory 30 seconds of mindfulness now. Um, I think also, I, I want to say it's the way pre it's presented, but I don't know if it is. Like, I feel like there's been times where teachers are like, this is the science that shows that like mindfulness is helpful in decreasing stress and increasing performance. It's, I don't, I mean, you're also in like a school environment. You're, you're surrounded by your peers. It's a, it's an environment that doesn't always feel like safe. Like you're worried about being judged. You don't know what's going to go on to be able to like close your eyes and shut off all the external stimuli while people are around you. You don't know what's happening. Mm -hmm. Like that's a scary experience for a lot of people. Like high school is like not a fun moment, whether you 
don't feel seen or heard. So I think it's also like a very vulnerable thing to do in such a a large group. Um, but I think it's it's also foreign. Like it's it's scary to try a new skill and to be like, you know what, I'm gonna give my all to this and maybe it'll work. So I think it's all of those things together. Kids are like, it's easier just to say, I don't want to do this. That's the easy path. Totally. Out. Right. And it's so interesting. Like, I wish I could have said, like, I don't, physics is really hard for me. I'm just yeah. not going to physics today. Right. Right. Yeah. But it's so, and, and that's where, again, I love that you're in this dialogue because it's just life. Yeah, exactly. And, 100%. you know, again, it is, we can see, I mean, I, I'm witnessing Besides the pandemic, you know, it was just a month ago or so, at least I know in my town, there were like, there was a week where there were four lockdowns. Yeah. You know, so it's like between social media, pandemic, mm-hmm. and mass shootings, it's a scary world. It's insane. It's a scary world. And so there's, I, I again, I just find it so fascinating that people are awake and we're talking about mental health a lot and we're in the biggest crisis ever. It's it's the craziest like parallel thing because you're totally right. Like we've never talked about it more and it's never been worse. So right. like what's going on there? Because I don't think the answer is to like not talk about it. You know what I mean? Because people are able to get support and help and feel more comfortable asking for help when that narrative is going on. Mm-hmm. But then there's also so many more people struggling. So something that we're doing as a society isn't working. A shift needs to be made. And it's, I think it'll take time, but we're moving in the right direction. If we look on the big scheme right. of things, mental health treatment and, and outcomes and and overall the skills people are equipped with, I think are are improving in general. I think so too. Yeah. I think so too. Well, I mean, I'm hearing a lot of, I mean, that this, this, this space for you to have a podcast. This was not available, um, yeah. you know, when I was a teenager mm-hmm. at and all. I, and I think like also like I'm just thinking about schools like 50 years ago, like the idea of learning mindfulness in a class, you'd have been like, what? So we're moving in the right direction. Yeah. We're getting there. But... But I think I want to be clear on something. It's not even just learning about mindfulness. It's learning about emotions. It's yeah. learning about being a human. Like it's, yeah. it's learning about, like, again, I remember when I would teach the little ones Mm-hmm. or, you know, younger kids, elementary school, literally like about, you know, you, you know, those um, pictures that have the faces of like happy, sad. Yeah. And so we would talk about, you know, how are you feeling today? And they would point to grumpy or frustrated. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we need that as we continue to need that because oh, that's what I'm seeing. And that's what, that's the difference that I'm seeing in my teenage clients where they're like, oh my gosh, like no one's ever, I never really learned about different emotions and how to identify them, have them validated. Because again, remember how you said, I'm fine. Yeah, yeah. Everyone says they're fine. Not everybody, but that is a lot of the people. go-to. Mm-hmm. I'm fine. And so to be able to say, you know, to a friend or a teacher, whoever, like, I'm actually really sad right now. Yeah. And then for the other person to be able to not just say, you'll be fine later. Mm-hmm. Go, you know, just go take a nap or go whatever. But to be able to say, I get it. Like, mm-hmm. I see you. No, to the normalize em- it. Yeah. The emotion education is lacking in a big way. I didn't learn about primary and secondary emotions until I was like fully in treatment. The idea that people don't necessarily know that like 
anger as a secondary emotion and something deeper is going on there and you're lashing out because that's an easier emotion to process like Mm -hmm. we should know that that should be common knowledge how are you able to either decrease the anger or navigate the situation if you don't know that like shame or sadness or fear is going on below that like it's right we we need these these skills and these tools and I think it's like when you think about toddlers like you teach them how to handle a meltdown you're like okay we're gonna take a break and then we'll come back like if if a teen is having a giant panic attack or is super stressed about some coming something coming up you're not like okay this is how we're gonna walk through this and this is how we're gonna handle it next time like that just right. isn't there unless you like explicitly go looking for those resources and it's it's really right. unfortunate I'm right there with you and that's why you're doing what you're doing and it's why I'm doing what I'm doing. It's Mm -hmm. funny you mentioned the toddler tantrum because Mm -hmm. in our grief yoga class, one of the things sometimes that we'll do Mm -hmm. is throw a tantrum. Yeah. Yeah. It's like permission to literally throw a tantrum or like feel your emotions. And it is, it is one of the most amazing things to witness Mm -hmm. because people really let go (laughs) and right. Can you, and it's just like this, Yes, like it's okay to be angry. Mm-hmm. Anger is not bad. Yeah. It's not a bad thing to be angry. It's how we how we alchemize that anger, how we use it, how we can witness it, how we can move it through. Punch mm-hmm. a pillow. That's great. Mhm. Mhm. No, you know, it's but it's, it's um, crucial. Yeah. So, so Talk to me about your program for teens and so that listeners know how they can get involved and continue to work with you if they're interested. I'd love to. So that's actually, it feels like as I've been creating this program, it feels like literally a culmination of everything from when I was 14 until, until today. Mm -hmm. Um, Because exactly, this is what we've talked about it for the past 45 minutes, the reason why. So the program is called Life School 101. And it's all around supporting teens to learn how to relieve the stress and anxiety and overwhelm so that they can live more from a place of calm and connection. And the way that it's run is it is, it's focused on this whole health perspective. So each week we focus on, one week we focus on the idea of whole health, one week is on the mind, one week is on emotions, one week is on the body, the last week is on intuition, Mm -hmm. but intuition is actually thread through yeah, all of it, because that's really what it is. It is about coming back to your wiser self, which you know is always there. Yeah. And it's that, that part of you that is like the, mm-hmm. I sort of like to feel into is like the most like loving bestest friend, yeah. you know, the part of you that like can do no wrong. That is the most compassionate, mm-hmm. loving part of you that is always of like the greatest and highest good. Mm-hmm. But we get so caught into the compare and the, the judgment and the shame and the beliefs and all the things that we lose that part of ourselves. We lose that, that wisdom. Yeah. And so bringing in all of these layers helps get us back to that intuitive self. And so I diverted. So it's, <laughs> but so the program is five weeks of videos mm-hmm. and then, and we come together once a week on zoom. And then we'll have the second half of life school is sessions and every other week to continue the community, continue connection and continue to practice what is happening 
in their lives so that we can bring it into, into practice. And so, yeah, that's, we're starting at the end of February. Mm-hmm. And the best way to find out about it will be on my website, join the mailing list. So mm-hmm. you can, and there's actually going to be a, an offering on there for free, just so you can kind of get to know me. And I actually offer a breathing technique there. This is a way to sort of get to know me a little bit and to see right, that one tool that can, that can help. But it's, it's exactly what we've been talking about, just to bring really normalize validate and make it just this is part of life and so to to do that together in community is is hopefully pretty magical I love that it's so many tools that I think so many teens would benefit from having whether you feel like you're struggling right now or not I think anyone can benefit from having those tools in their toolbox and navigating future challenges that they might encounter so I love that so much with this program, and I th- just to add to what you were just saying, mm-hmm. you don't have, nothing has to be wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. That, Anyone I mean, can if, benefit. If there's yeah. something specific that somebody is going through, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But you just have to be human. Yeah. Yeah. We all have emotions. <laughs> That's, That's we all the prerequisite. can benefit it's from just, listening to ourselves a hundred percent. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, Thank you so much for sitting down with me and having this amazing conversation. I know that so many people are going to find this helpful. And even if you just take away to take a couple more deep breaths today and center yourself, I I know it will have a huge impact on you. So thank you. Where can listeners find you? Thank you so much, Sadie. Of course. This is just, it's really, it's, I just love that we get to have this conversation that we're yeah. fortunate able to, to be here together. It's the closest. Um, people can... Find me, um, my website is just my name, bethsegaloff.com. And there will be a link for the, for Life School 101. So check that out. And otherwise, Instagram is beth.segaloff. And yeah, those are the places to find me. Awesome. All of that will be linked in the show notes. And thank you again. In case you skipped to the end, Beth and I dove into her mental health journey and what brought her to working with teens, teaching yoga, and practicing EMDR. We talk about how lacking emotion education is for teens and the negative impact that this can have on mental health. We dive into the importance of approaching healing from a holistic perspective, really taking into account the mental, physical, and spiritual perspectives. We talk about what happens when you truly quiet your mind and practice mindfulness and the impact this has on emotion processing. We go into ways that you can incorporate mindfulness and meditation into your daily routine. And lastly, we do a guided meditation practice to center yourself, decrease stress, and let go of the tension you're holding. If you like this week's episode, please share with a friend, rate and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and tag me on social media if you're listening. I'll repost and give you a little shout out. My Instagram is at ShePersistedPodcast. So with that, I will see you next Monday.